Let's go 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to keep going in the text. Um, let's, let's pray before we jump in here because I just I need the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather here and to, to worship and to sing songs of praise. God, you are, you're worthy. I'm grateful that you saved a wretch like me, that you, that you forgave me, that you've, you've set me free from my past and my, my sins. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and that as we open the text, you would be made much of and that men and women would hear you and not me. May it be you that steps up. May I step aside. Bless the preaching of your word this morning for your glory. Amen. All right, so this week we're going to continue our study through the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, we are in chapter 2, and last week we saw where Paul gives Timothy this admonition. He says in, ver- in chapter 2, verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul's telling Timothy there needs to be a a passing of the baton. There needs to be a passing of the torch to the next guys. I'm teaching these things. You've heard me preach and teach the gospel. Now find faithful men to do the same thing. Do do the same thing. And then he he gives a string of analogies. He says there's a, a good soldier. A good soldier doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of the world. But rather he focuses on the reality of the truth of Christ and his calling in Christ because Christ is the one who enlisted him. So he's going to be a good soldier and do his job, do his duty, right? Next one was an athlete who plays the game according to the rules. We're not faking, we're not playing, we're not getting participation trophies. We're going to play by the rules and do what God's called us to do, how he's called us to do it. And then number three talks about a farmer who works hard and receives his reward. So these are the analogies and these are the illustrations of what faithful Christian men and women should be doing in the church and in their Christian life. So that was last week. This week, um, we're going to continue, continue this idea of faithfulness and the idea of walking in faithfulness and being a part of the faithfulness of who Jesus Christ is. And he starts out with a, with a really simple but yet strong statement in verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ. Hear, hear what Paul is doing. He's pointing back to the fact that Jesus is the better of all of those things that we just talked about. Jesus is the perfect and better soldier. Jesus is the perfect and better athlete. Jesus is the perfect and better farmer who is faithful to complete all that he said that he would complete in us and for us. Amen? So we we have this perfect example in front of us. So he says, remember Jesus Christ. Then he follows that statement with, Risen from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. The resurrection of Christ is the centralized truth of the gospel. 
So the the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the center point, the the main point, the main thing of the gospel. There there was a lot of people who died on the day that Christ died. In fact, there was two others on either side of him that died. But there was only one who was raised three days later. If if listen, I'm thankful that Christ came and was born as a baby. I'm glad we're celebrating that. It's amazing. It's fantastic. But if he hadn't, because if he hadn't been born, he couldn't have died, right? So that's, that we, need, we needed him to be born. But man, the most important part is that he died on Calvary's cross and was resurrected. If he had stayed in the grave, we'd all be in a heap of trouble. We'd all be in a heap of trouble, but he didn't stay in the grave. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses three through four says, "For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he died on Calvary's cross. The bloody, nasty, horrible death machine of Calvary's cross. But the glorious news is that he came back. And now, as we talked about in Sunday school, we now have justification. We have the right standing. We can stand in front of God because of Christ's work on our behalf. We get to stand in front of God and we get to experience the goodness and the mercy and the love and the ex- just the unmeasurable goodness of who God is because of what Christ did on our behalf. So Paul's saying here, I, I, this, this is good news. Don't, don't discount this. Remember Jesus. So as we're in, we, we're in this season, man, this is the opportunity for you to talk about Jesus with your unsaved family members, unsaved friends, as you gather around the tables, as you gather for your Christmas parties, as you gather for the things you're doing. Now is the season and time for you to say, let me tell you who Jesus is. We've got to remember who he is and what he did on our behalf, what he did for us. He saved us from hell. He saved us from the wrath of God. We get to experience the goodness, not the the justice. We get to experience the mercy of God. So this is the good news of Christmas. So he's a descendant of David. So we see that in the text here uh, as well. Ergo, he is the rightful heir to the throne. He's the king of kings and he has, listen, Jesus has no rival. He has no rival. There's not anyone who can ever, ever contend with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has no rival. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there never, ever will be anyone that can contend with him. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9. For which I am suffering. So he's talking about, he says, remember Jesus... Uh, and this is why I'm in prison. Remember, for this is the reason I suffer, bound in chains as a criminal. He is in prison as, oh, as though he was a murderer or a thief. He was bound in chains as a criminal. That's no, no good, right? But he continues. He says, but the word of God is not bound. The the. The scriptures are not bound. God's word is not bound. So Paul's saying here, I may be in prison, but the message of the gospel is not. Woo! 
Now that should get like, listen, we are living in an age and a time when we get the, we have access to this. We get it on our phones. We can get it from our tablets. We can get it on the radio. Jesus and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ are readily available to us. That nothing can stop the gospel. No prison doors can shut that down. Nothing can stop it. This is why Paul was, was so frustrating to the authorities. Like Paul was just an anomaly. He gets saved and they couldn't shut this man up. He experiences Jesus in real time. Jesus comes and says, listen, you're mine. You're going to stop persecuting Christians and you're going to become the champion of them and you're going to be the, you're going to be the head Christian in this world. Get after it. Start writing the book. And they can't shut this guy down. And if they, they try to kill him, he's just like, well, to die is gain. All right, well, we'll put you in prison. Okay? I'll convert all your guards and we'll have a church service in prison. Amen. Oh. Nothing could stop him. The, the prison doors, nothing. This is why it was so, he was just, I, I don't know what to do. He's like, well, we're going to kill you. Oh, cry. Well, whatever. We're, gonna, we're not going to kill you. Well, to live is Christ. Oh, like no one could stop this guy. And, and so, even after his death, because this is, he's writing this book, he's about to die. He's finishing this letter and he is about to be launched into the kingdom. And even in 2023, we're, he is still preaching and teaching today. Paul is unstoppable. What Satan thought he could squash thousands of years later, we're still reading his words and they're still relevant in 2023. The, the harder the government tried to shut Paul up, the more effective he became in the teaching and preaching of the gospel. And, and those who were around him just went in fuego for the, for the Lord. When constraints, and this is the crazy thing, when constraints and tribulations are put on believers, this is when we come alive. Like, that's when we show up the best, is when things are going horrible. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, the world's falling apart. Christians are like, I know, let's play. Like, let's go hard. Let's make things, let's, let's go be salt and light in a dark and dying world, and we're going like, to transform everything. Like, that's, that's the beauty of what Christianity brings. Like, when trials come, Christ is faithful to take care of you through those trials, regardless of what happens in your life, because here's what happens. You get Christ, and He's more than enough. Well, what if I die? Awesome. What if I live? Awesome. It doesn't matter, because Christ is all. Christ is everything. Christ is, is what we need to be pursuing above all else, regardless of the tribulations that come in this life. Because listen, for a Christian, this is the worst it's going to ever be. Here on this side of the grave. Now, on the other flip side of that, if you're not a believer, if you've not repented of your sins, and you've not trusted the gospel, you've not been born again, this is the best. This life will be the best that you have ever. Sorry. That's the truth. But man, you're invited in. 
You want to be saved today? You want to be born again? Man, it's here, available. Come on. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Had a, last night I was at a pastor's house, fellow pastor, a friend of mine, and he was telling a story. He was in the army, or he was in the military, and uh, he was a chaplain, young chaplain, just eager for the Lord, young, fierce, for the, fierce Christian for the Lord. And he, there's, at military funerals, there are certain protocols. Am I right? In, in, in military funerals, things are supposed to be a specific way. And he gets up and he's just eager. And he just, at, at the, the message portion of the funeral, he just gives the gospels like, listen, you need to repent and believe. Like, don't ever waste the opportunity. you got a room of, that's the reason I changed my position. Originally, when I first came here, I was like, I don't want to do funerals with people that aren't members of our church. I changed my position after being in the room when the guy who did a funeral in this room did a horrible job. I was like, dude, you have the perfect opportunity. The rafters are full. You should have preached, repent and believe the gospel. But he didn't. I was like, I changed my position immediately. Every funeral, sign me up. I want in. Because you got a room of hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm going to tell these people, listen, if this casket doesn't get you to realize and, and come to the reality that you're going to die one day, I don't know what is. You need to repent and believe the gospel. So Pete's preaching this gospel to a room full of military, got a couple colonels in the room, and he's a captain. Well, the mother of the deceased man comes up to Pete and says, my son needs to talk to you. Who's a colonel? And he walks up to him. He's like, Captain, let's go talk. And he's thinking, oh, shoot. I've said something. And so they walk out into the graveyard. Way away from everybody. And they're walking. And he looks at him. He goes, my wife left me for another man. My life's falling apart. I need Christ. Help me get there now. Amen. Come on. He's like, it's just like, it was like, like I said in Sunday school, shooting fish in a barrel. Like, let's go. Like, this, we should be energized as Christians to go share the good news of Christ. The opportunity to share the goodness of who Jesus is. This is what we're supposed to do. Don't forget this. Don't, don't fall short on this. Regardless of what happens in your life, Christ is the most important. So because of, the, of that fact, Paul is willing to endure whatever comes his way for those who are God's elect, according to the text. Verse 10, we see that in verse 10. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, the eternal glory, with eternal glory. So Paul's willing to endure whatever it takes because he's like, I, if I'm in here in prison, I, listen, I'm going to be ferocious for the Lord. I'm going to write these letters to the church. I'm going to tell the church they need to be ferocious for the things of Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember him. Don't give up. So he's saying here, whatever comes down the pike, I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure whatever it takes to preach and see the gospel of salvation comes to, to come to others. Whatever comes down the way, 
for Christ followers. My goal is to endure as a Christ follower. The word endure in some form or another is said 96 different times in the text. This is a calling for you as a believer to don't give up. As difficult as life can be, don't give up. Don't stop trying to make things what God's... Don't, try, don't stop trying to be salt and light. Don't stop trying to get stronger in your faith. Saw a great Christmas commercial. It's an old grandpa. And he gets out of bed and he starts to... He takes a dumbbell. It's a big rounded dumbbell. And he's, and he's, up and he's picking it up. And holding it like this. And he puts... You know, you guys, have you guys seen that commercial? So he's, he puts it down. And it's, it, you can tell it's... It's, it's the beginning of the year. And this older gentleman is lifting this weight. And he's, he's lifting, he's lifting, he's lifting, he's lifting. And man, and it, he's struggling. It's a trial. He's screaming it sometimes because he's in such pain trying to lift this weight. And just he's just hurting. Sometimes drops it. His neighbors mock him, laugh at him. What is this old crazy man doing with this weight? What are you doing? His kids show up and they're like, Dad, what are you doing? And he doesn't tell them what he's doing. He just keeps pressing, keeps going forward, keeps trying to get to where he needs to be. Christmas shows up and he walks in, bow tie on, ready for the night, looking dapper. And his young granddaughter steps to the top of the stairs and she smiles really big. And he gets down on one knee and she unwraps the Christmas present. And it's a star. And he picks her up and holds her up. And then everybody realizes he's been training for this moment. He's been training for this moment. There was a reward here. He got to be a part of this. And all the kids, all of his kids were like, oh, that's why. Oh, don't stop. Keep Move, keep going forward. Endure the hardships. Endure the trials. Endure the suffering. Because your reward is going to be great. It's going to be great. This is the calling for us as believers. Matthew 24, 13 says, But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. Endurance of the saints is a pivotal teaching in the text. We don't give up even when the rest of the world is giving up. Even when the rest of your family gives up, you don't give up because you are called by Christ to endure. Paul, in his context and in his circumstance, endured so that you and I could sit in rooms just like this this morning and hear the good news of the word and may it spur us on to eternity. It spur us on to glory. Woo. So what is your calling? Do the same. Don't give up. Don't stop living for the Lord. Don't stop preaching for the Lord. Don't stop teaching. Don't stop doing what God's called you to do. That's verse 10. Then verse 11. Paul continues. He says, this saying, the saying is trustworthy. So what is trustworthy? What is the trustworthy saying? What we're about to read in the text it's a reminder for these verses. 
what you're about to read is trustworthy. It is worth trusting. These statements are real. They're true. If, if we have died in him, we will also live with him. Amen. If we died with him, we will also live with him. This refers to the spiritual participation of Christians, death and resurrection. So when Christ, listen to me, so when Christ died on Calvary's cross, so did Caleb. And consequently, when Christ rose from the grave, so did Caleb. And those, what about my name, Caleb? Put your name in there. If you've repented of your sins and you've trusted the good news and you've been born again, that's you too. So when Christ died, so did you. But when Christ rose, so did you. Right? Because Christ is our life. He holds us together. He holds your life together. Even when it feels like it's going crazy, Christ holds you together. He's what sustains you and I. Nothing else will sustain you other than Jesus Christ. Well, Caleb, my 401k's got me. Really? Did you go back to 2008 and see what happened? A lot of people... What happened to my grandma? She had this ridiculous 401k throughout all of her life. And 2008 hit, and she lost over half of it just overnight. Listen, your bank account doesn't get you into heaven. Your social status doesn't get you, your last name doesn't get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is Christ. Christ alone, nothing else will do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 10 says, He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, and I know some of you, are anybody asleep in here this morning? We're just checking. We may live together with Him. This means if, if I'm alive or if I'm dead, I may live with Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's the calling. That's verse 11. Verse 12 reiterates the endurance idea. So this is, within just a couple of verses, he reiterates endurance. So this is an important thing. Pay attention to this idea of endurance. If we endure, we will also reign with him. You want to reign with Christ? Keep going in your Christian faith. Don't give up. Don't give up. We're called to endure whatever comes down our way. Whatever it takes in this life, we don't give up. The perseverance of the saints is what this is called. And we persevere because Christ persevered. Listen, if anybody had the right to be like, you know what? I'm going to hang this up. I'm going home. Jesus had every right to be like, you know what? Oh, don't think that there wasn't a legion of angels on the banister of heaven going, just say it. Just give us a nod, Lord. We'll take everybody out. Jesus held his peace because he knew if he didn't, we would have no chance. We would have no hope. So he endured the cross and the shame of the cross so that we would have life everlasting. We continue in our walk because Christ is the one who sustains our walk. No other reason, no ifs, ands, or buts. We don't keep going because, well, I'm equipped to keep going, Caleb. Whatever. There's days I get out of bed and I'm like, Ugh. Anybody? Jamie got out of bed yesterday and she's getting out and she just goes, ow, ow, ow. Anybody? 
She's like, you didn't have to tell anybody. It happens. Anybody? I, when I was younger, my dad used to say, I hurt myself in my sleep. Tuesday, I woke up. I was like, how did I do that? Rolled over wrong, and the right, my whole right side was like, I was like, ow. You young bucks don't understand that. Can I, can I get an amen from some of the older men and the ladies in the crowd? You just roll wrong. You're like, whoop, calling in sick today. She's like, you don't do that. I know, because I It sounds good, right? We don't, we don't keep going because we're well, because we're, we're equipped in and of ourselves. We keep going because Christ allows us to keep going and He sustains us and He gives us the power to walk. He gives us the ability to keep moving. Even when you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to take another step. God's like, let me help you. Oh, let me show you how that works. Next one. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. I guess it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. If you're ashamed of Christ and his words and his work, he's going to be ashamed of you. And I, I'm, I don't want to be that guy. And when I get to heaven and he goes, really, Caleb, you had an opportunity here, 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 here. Really? So I, early in my walk, I was, man, I just don't want people to think I'm crazy. I don't care anymore. Think I'm crazy. You need to repent and believe the gospel. Luke chapter 12 verse 9 says, But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels, the holy angels and of God. Pretty, pretty forward. If you're ashamed, he's going to be ashamed of you. Verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. So this verse is talking about not, not weak faith, but rather lack of saving Faith. Uh, unbelievers will ultimately deny Christ because their faith was not genuine. John chapter 3 verse 16 and verse 18 in context for this. We all know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So there's the, the good news, right? This, this beauty of this God's grace is sufficient. God's love is sufficient. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then you got verse 18 of John 3. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whosoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he did not believe in the only name, and the only begotten name of the Son of God. As faithful as Christ is to save those who believe, he is also faithful to judge those who have a false profession. Which I believe is the majority of Christianity today. How do I know? Because I was one of them. I was one of them. I had a false hope, false sense of security, a false profession. Daddy was a pastor. That ain't going to work when I get to the gates. What about Ed? Who? What? Who are you? God is faithful to judge those who have a false profession of faith and a false belief. For Christ to act any other way is to be inconsistent with his character and nature. But he's faithful to save those who do believe. Aren't you, faith, aren't you grateful for his faithfulness in your life? 
Aren't you grateful that He's been faithful even when sometimes we're not? Aren't you grateful that God's, like, God's salvation is not determined on how I feel? Because aren't some of us in the room, some days you wake up not feeling very Christian? <laughs> but I don't base my salvation on my feelings. I, I just don't. It's that old, more than a feeling. Nope, got a couple of you. Who sang that? Boston. Yeah, wasn't Kansas, Boston. <laughs> Listen, 80s music was fantastic. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, all right. Now, 80s Christian music, that's a different, that's a different story. Poor Michael W. Smith hadn't hit his groove yet. But listen, as we enter into this special season of life, celebrating Christ's birth and coming on this earth, may you and I hold fast to what is being said in these texts. That he's been faithful. That he continues to be faithful. And before the foundation of the world, he... listen. Before the foundation of the world, He knew you. He knew how messy you'd be. And He still came after you anyways. Like you were a shipwreck. Look, there's nobody in the room that's like, they can, no, nobody in this room could be like, you know what, I have moral superiority and I'm awesome. Nobody in the room can do this. And Jesus knew that. And before the foundation, before He said, let there be light, he knew Chansey Bliss. And he's like, I want that one. I'm going to go after that one. So you didn't say my name. Just put your name in there then. I'm just calling him out. He knew you. He's like, well, Caleb, you don't know how messy I've been. I don't need to know how messy you've been. Jesus does. And he still loves you anyways. And so, well, does that mean I'm, I get a free pass? And I get to do whatever I want? No. He loves you enough. Listen, you say, well, I just don't want to repent and believe. Then I, I'm just going to do what I can. If he loves me, I can get it anyways. No. If you're going to choose to do that, then guess what? He's going to love you enough to keep, let you just stay in your sin. You want that? I'm going to choose my sin over Jesus. Okay, well, that's not going to end well for you. What should you do? Repent of your sins and trust the gospel. Christmas could be an amazing time for you if you truly understood the ramifications of what it meant that Christ came and became one of us and He bought back, He came back to ransack hell, take the keys of death and hell, and now we have freedom and the ability to be able to have faith in Christ, belief in Christ, and we have the security of knowing that Jesus will forever hold us. And all, what are you going to do? Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins and turn to Christ and trust in His work. Not, don't trust in your work. Don't trust in your goodness. Trust in the goodness and the work of Christ and you're in. Forsake your sin and trust Christ. Forsake your sin and trust Christ. We, we continue... Listen... So when we do this, we have the ability to keep enduring and keep going because of what Christ has done. Because of His faithfulness, we continue to be bold. 
Because of his faithfulness, we continue to do what we need to do. Christmas is the perfect opportunity for you to share your faith with those who are around you. Listen, don't be quiet around the table. Be unashamed of who Christ is. Be even more bold in your speech. Now, I didn't say be a jerk. There's a difference. There's there's enough offense in the gospel. They didn't need your attitude. Just be faithful to say, here's what the Bible says. That's the reason anytime somebody asks me about something specific or a specific sin or a specific whatever, I immediately go, what do you think about this, Caleb? What do you think about that, Caleb? I say, well, what does the Bible say about these things? Well, I don't know. Well, we should find out what God's word says. And then whatever God's word says about that topic, then what we should do is submit ourselves to God's commands about that thing and then walk that out. It doesn't matter what Pastor Caleb thinks. It matters what God's word says. And whatever God's word says, that's what we are to do. So don't be all the more bold this Christmas season to say, listen, I'm not, there's, listen, you, you guys hear it every Sunday. I don't stand here and say, man, I'm awesome. Your pastor's so perfect. I got all the answers figured out. I got it. I'm like, listen, if anybody's a mess, it's your pastor. If anybody shouldn't be standing behind this desk, it's probably me. But here's what I can tell you. Christ is faithful. To forgive, to set you free, and to abolish your sins. To absolve you of your sins. And I'm telling you, He can and He will. But the question is, will you submit to that rule? Will you submit to His Lordship? His Lordship is all that matters. Will you ask Him to forgive you and then submit yourself to His Lordship? If you will, guess what? Free and clear. But if you refuse to submit yourself to his lordship, you're like, I'm going to continue to do whatever I want to do, when I want to do it, with whoever I want to do it. And guess what? You can't judge me, Caleb. Only God can. Yep, you're right. And that should terrify you. That should terrify you that God can judge you because he is going to. If you're outside of Christ, there will be condemnation. But in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, those that are in Christ will have no condemnation. Get into the ark of safety. The door is open. The invitation is here. Repent and believe the gospel.